HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hi, I'm Steve Jenkins. I work for Fairway Markets in the New York area. And we're awfully proud to support Heritage Radio. And we care so much about everything that goes on out here at Roberta's and their studio. Because they talk to people who are, are serious about food. And that's what we are at Fairway, is we're serious about food. We, we just care very deeply about, about you as a, as a customer and how you cook and what you cook with and how you entertain. And, and that's why we love to support Heritage Radio, because it, it, it's pretty much the same thing. It's wanting to, to find happiness through serious food and people who are serious about it and, and care about learning everything there is to learn about it. And that's, that's we're kindred spirits. If it's something worth having in your kitchen, you're going to find it at, at Fairway. And if there's somebody worth talking to about food, you're going to find them on Heritage Radio, and we will be supporting you guys for a long, long time. At Fairway, I'm your personal grocer, Steve Jenkins, Fairway Market. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby. Listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby, broadcast live to the Cosmos on the Heritage Radio Network. Welcome to another episode of Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Anne Saxelby. Our show today has been generously sponsored by Fairway Market and uh, is being produced by Jack Inslee and engineered by Nat Wiener. Thanks, guys. Um, if you want to check out Cutting the Curd uh, anytime when we're not broadcasting live, you can do so on the Heritage Radio Network website, which is heritageradionetwork.com. Uh, on, on Cutting the Curd today, we are continuing our State of Cheese theme, and today we are going to the great Midwestern state of Michigan. Uh, great Lakes, Great Cheeses is uh, something that I learned on the internet last night that we'll get into in a little bit. Um, my guest today is Aubrey Thomason, who is a cheesemaker at Zingerman's Creamery. Uh, many of you listening out there might know Zingerman's as a delicatessen, which it started off as, um, and it's located in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Um, Zingerman's is really a bastion of cheese in the United States, and they're really pioneers in uh, 
bringing good gastronomy to the people. Um, and it's quite possible that Zingerman's has influenced the state of cheese in Michigan more than most dairies because they're really bringing some of the finest cheeses being made all over the world to their shop. Um, and then, and, you know, adding to that, uh, they built their own creamery, which uh, Aubrey is going to talk to us about. Thanks so much for being on the show, Aubrey. Thanks for having me. It's a beautiful day here in Michigan. Oh, it's beautiful here, too. It's like, you know, fall, but not too... Not too fall, not too yeah. cold. Not too cold yet. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, so tell me, how long has Zingerman's Creamery been operating? Uh, we've been in business for uh, just about nine years. It'll be nine years in 2011. Dang, I didn't realize it had been that long. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been a while. We started off in Manchester, Michigan, which is about half an hour away from Ann Arbor, and then uh, about six years ago moved to the same uh, area that our bakehouse is at, and now we have three production businesses all in the same warehouse district. And um, and that's located just outside of Ann Arbor, right? Yeah, it's on the south side of town. So we've uh, taken a calling at Zingerman South Side. <laughs> you guys really are taking over the south side. I was able to visit a couple years ago, and it's, uh, you know, it, it's kind of unassuming from the outside, you know, and then you realize everything that's going on, and you're like, oh, my God, there's yeah. the bakery, there's the creamery, there's the wedding, you know, cake place, and it's, it's really an awesome... Uh, little enclave that you guys have going on. Um, so tell us about you. I mean, how did you get into cheese making? You're first of all, you're very young. Uh, you 25. don't have twenty five. Okay, I was going to say you don't have to say your age on air, but <laughs> but um, so how did you get into cheese, and how did you get hooked up with uh, Zingerman's Creamery? Well, um, I started working for the deli, Zingerman's Deli, when I was in high school, um, and over five years there, ended up uh, you know working up from running trays. Um, working the cheese counter and, you know, selling bread and olive oils and vinegars. And um, over the years, I I had a lot of uh, opportunity to take uh, Zingerman staff scholarships. And um, in five years, I spent about two years traveling abroad and doing uh, apprenticeships and internships uh, all over the country and uh, learning all about cheese and agriculture. And uh, eventually, I decided I wanted to learn uh, about cheese making and Asked John Loomis, the managing partner at the Creamery, if I could do a you know one day a week unpaid internship for three months, and uh, ended up doing that, and um, got you know was really excited about it, even in spite of all of the dishwashing and floor drain scrubbing that uh, <laughs> cheese, cheese making, making is really about. <laughs> yeah, what what percentage of of cheese making would you say is dishwashing? Uh, it's at least a quarter, and then the other cleaning is a quarter. <laughs> Nice. And then wrapping cheese is a quarter, and then actually making cheese is a quarter. <laughs> <laughs> Any of you aspiring cheesemakers out there, you heard it here first. Cheesemaking yeah, is 75% cleaning and wrapping. <laughs> yeah. It's not, very, it's not very glamorous. But it is really fun, and cheese cheesemakers are, in general, pretty awesome. So, you know, you got that going for you. Good company. Yeah, it is. It's good company. Um, so what do, you do, what do you do at the creamery now? What's, what's your role there? Um, I spend a lot of time making cheese. Um, I help with a lot of the fresh cow's milk cheese production, and then I'm basically running our fresh and mold-ripened goat cheese production. So everything from, you know, talking to the goat farmer to receiving milk, pasteurizing, setting, and then ladling all of the cheeses and then finishing all the mold-ripened cheeses, you know, doing the best I can to keep things clean and, you know, moving moving forward. You know, cheese making, you can only improve one thing a batch, and so uh, I'm always looking for, you know, the next the next thing to refine to make the cheese better, 
Um, I run our quality control program. We call it the uh, Cheese XI or Cheese Experience Indicator. And so we uh, <laughs> score and track the cheeses throughout uh, the Zingerman's businesses, you know, how they taste at the deli, how they're tasting at the roadhouse, how they're tasting at the creamery, and then uh, using that information uh, to help us, you know, move towards world-class cheese. So if I had thought ahead and mail-ordered cheese from you guys, you could have been here in the studio with me to evaluate the cheese? Yeah, yeah we, could have, we could have even uh, shipped it to you on Thursday. You would have gotten it by Friday. And Oh, my gosh. Well, we're going to have to have a follow-up then because yeah. <laughs> uh, this is fun, but I really want you to come out and see Roberta's at some point where the Heritage Radio Network is located. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, well, that's really great. So you keep a close eye on all of your different cheeses. And um, can you tell us about the different styles of cheese that you make? Because um, some of them are pretty fragile. Yeah. Um, well, we predominantly make lactic-style fresh cheeses, um, fresh goat's milk cheese, um, and, cre- and cow's milk cheeses uh, as simple as farmer's cheese, cream cheese, and then uh, simple ladled rounds of uh, either cow's milk or goat's milk. Um, and then we do both, uh, we do a double cream mold-ripened uh, cow's milk cheese, um, and that's with a geotrichum rind, so really uh, very fragile, very hard to work with. Um, and we do several goat's milk cheeses with the geotrichum rind as well. And, you know, it's, it's been a really interesting learning experience um, trying to get really good at, um, you know, ripening these cheeses. And I think we found uh, a, a pretty good system so far. They are uh, notoriously difficult to deal with because they, uh, they're more closely related to a yeast, and so they don't uh, mature as quickly or as dramatically as, uh, like, a penicillium-rinded cheese would. Um, and we're next to a bakery, so we're dealing with uh, oh blue mold <laughs> all over the place. Because um, blue mold and, originally comes from, from rye bread, isn't that right? Right, and so any, uh, any you know, grain flour is going to attract the blue molds. Um, so that could actually of, uh, be a happy, a happy thing. Why doesn't Zingerman's make a blue? Oh, we could, but then we'd have to have a whole, you know, we'd have to have a room just for making blue, just for aging blue. You know, so there's certainly potential in it, but you have to completely segregate your operations if you're, if you're going to in- really introduce blue mold into your environment. That's true. That is very true. Yeah. So, and so your cheeses are to- really delicious as they are. These little, um, you know, I've tried some of the mold ripened ones and the fresh ones, and they're just, they're incredible. Thank you. Um, what's your most popular cheese? Um, I would say that the uh, Lincoln Log and the Detroit Street Brick, which are aged uh, pressed goat's milk cheeses, uh, the Lincoln Log is uh, Boucheron, um, so really just nice. You can use it in any, you know, any span of cooking and eating. Uh, it's so versatile. Um, and the Detroit Street Brick is the same uh, paste and everything. It just has green peppercorns and is a brick and not a log. <laughs> so those are, those are one of our favorites uh, and most popular. And then the Manchester, which is the double cream cow's milk cheese uh, with the geotrichum rind, that one has uh, really gotten popular in the last couple of years. So that, I mean, um, yeah, that's an incredible array. Um, and I want to talk to you a little bit about your relationship with your farmers because that is, um, you know, we're talking about the state of cheese in Michigan, and um, your relationship with your farmers is obviously influencing the dairy landscape um, around you. So could you tell us a little bit about how you work with your farms and how you've influenced their agriculture and how they've influenced your cheese making and rice, you know, all that stuff? Well, um, I think, you know, my, my favorite term for cheese making is the uh, taking the milk and trying really hard, you know, taking this milk that the farmers have put so much work into uh, and trying hard not to screw it up. 
It's true. We need to represent it well and, uh, you know, do honor to the the agricultural work that is done. Um, You know, we have a very close relationship with our uh, cow's milk dairy farmer. The Calder family is a third-generation dairy, and they supply uh, ceramized or low-temperature pasteurized glass-bottled milk to, you know, stores and homes all over southeastern Michigan. So, you know, they've definitely found uh, a niche for, you know, being able to add uh, value to dairy. You know, it's a very hard industry to make any kind of profit in. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. Um, So, you know, know, they've been here for a long time, and uh, so we are happy to have this relationship with them. You know, they name their cows. They you know, feed them well, they love them, um, you know, it's not an in- heavily intensive production system, um, you know, they're they're wonderful people to work with. Um, and how and much, then, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't Oh, interrupt. go ahead. Uh, well, I was just going to ask, about how much of their milk do you guys buy for your cheese production? Right now we're buying about 500 gallons a week of cow's milk, and about 150 of that, or 100 to 150 of that is going towards our Great Lakes Cheshire, which is a hard, raw milk cheese. And then the rest of that goes towards uh, fresh cow's milk cheeses and also gelato, which we make on site. That is totally awesome. I think um, in many ways, uh, you know, things that we're going to talk about on this show, but the Zingerman's relationship with these um, farmers, it's a really good model and something that could be replicated in other states um, to get, you know, just to get dairy farmers back in a place where people appreciate the milk that they're producing. Right. You know, we choose to pay a premium above the commodity price for cow's milk and um, certainly for goat's milk we pay a premium to encourage, you know, better uh, care of the animals and good stewardship and, and, uh, and a livelihood for the farmers. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, actually, this is, um, I don't know, I'm going to insert a little factoid here, because I was doing some research last night before the show, and um, I was looking uh, at uh, the Michigan, oh, what's it called? The um, Michigan Cheesemakers Cooperative, exactly. And then from that, I was looking also, um, I was looking kind of at the industrial counterpart, which is the Michigan Milk Producers Association. And um, I was thinking about value-added products in dairy and um, was astonished to know that in August 2010, according to info on the Michigan Milk Producers website, the price, the going price for cheese, you know, just as a commodity product was $1.60 per pound. Wow. Um, yeah, pretty crazy. Um, I decided to keep it cheese-related instead of milk-related because um, milk is a little bit more abstract. But, um, you know, so it's pretty amazing to think about the way that you guys pay your farmers and what that means to them because they're definitely getting more than the equivalent of a dollar sixty per pound for right. milk being made into cheese. Yeah, um, crazy. Yeah, it's totally crazy. So, um, wh- how, do you go and visit them? Do you, uh, you know, do you guys uh, sort of check in with each other? What's the what's the protocol like? Well, mostly, um, you know, honestly, I haven't uh, visited. I don't own a car, and so it's uh, hard for me to to visit these uh, farms because a lot of them, like our goat's milk producers, three and a half hours away. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Calder family, many of, uh, you know, my boss has uh, interacted with the Calders a lot, and he's been managing that relationship for a long time. And so, you know, he's on the phone with them every week, and he, uh, you know, has certainly visited the farm. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I just think, uh, you know, it's such a it's such a cool thing for them to have you guys as partners because um, you are doing a tremendous justice to their, to their hard work. Um, so... Uh, 
Well, let's see. I think actually we're going to take a quick break here. And when we come back, I want to talk to you about this Michigan Cheesemakers Cooperative because it's awesome and we need to know about it. (laughs) Stay with us on Cutting the Curd. Welcome back to Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Ann Saxelby. Our show today has been sponsored by Fairway Market. And uh, we're talking cheese in Michigan today with Audrey Th- or Aubrey Thomason, who is cheesemaker at Zingerman's Creamery, uh, located just outside of Ann Arbor. Um, and so, Aubrey, tell me about this Michigan Cheesemakers Cooperative. I actually just found out about this, and I'm so um, excited to know it exists. Well, the Michigan Cheesemakers Cooperative, I believe, has just been in, you know, true cooperative form for a little over a year. Um, and my dear friend and coworker, Joshua Miner, is the president, um, and he is our, he, he's our gelato maker as well as a cheesemaker for the creamery. Okay. Um, and it uh, was started sort of mainly by Michigan State University. They got a grant. Um, to, you know, make a cooperative of cheesemakers, uh, them and a woman named Barbara Jennis, who owns um, a dairy and Byron Center. Um, I believe it's Goat's Leap, but she's also uh, involved with uh, a number, getting a number of other dairies, sort of very small-scale dairies started up. Um, and so they had a, uh, a group of cheesemakers had approached Zingerman's to get involved, and Josh happened you know, to, to be the one uh, to get involved with them and work with them through the process of becoming a co-op. Um, so right now it's sort of, um, you know, very, still very loosely, uh, you know, associating a group of cheesemakers. And so we're all just starting to get to know each other and start to, you know, visit each other's dairies and talk. And, um, you know, and I, I would say that Barbara Jenis has just really been a, uh, a huge resource to, you know, come up in the state. And it's really exciting to have somebody uh, inspired and committed to dairy and, um, you know, to want to, to get everybody together. Now, can I ask, Barbara Jenis, is, did you say, is she a cheesemaker or is she's she associated with the MSU? Okay. She's a cheesemaker in Byron Center, Michigan, which is, like, near Kalamazoo. So it's on the west side, like, southwest side of the state. Okay. Okay. And so, yeah, it's a really unique thing because I read uh, Michigan State University Product Center for Agricultural and Natural Resources um, pulled the cooperative together with money from um, the USDA Rural Cooperative Development uh, Department. Um, and it's it's just an amazing thing. Um, and I guess there are 11 members right now, mm-hmm. um, as far as I could tell online. Um and uh, and so, in what way is this a cooperative? Is it actually an economic cooperative, or is it more just a, a knowledge and research sharing body? At this point, it's just a knowledge and research sharing party. You know, it's it's there to bring us all together, and I think um, you know, try to come up with 
a long-term vision for, you know, what we would like dairy and cheese making to look like in the state. You know, right now there are not a terrible amount of resources uh, from the Department of Agriculture, especially for goat's milk. You know, of course, the, uh, you know, milk, milk bodies are all supporting uh, cow's milk production, um, and there are a lot of goat's milk producers in the state, and there's very little for their, there's nowhere for their milk to go. There are no, you know, not very many haulers. There's, uh, you know, I would say it's sort of in a crisis in crisis mode. Um, That's amazing because in other places like Vermont, you know, Vermont Butter and Cheese uh, or Vermont Creamery as they're called now, um, they can't get enough goat's milk. Right. In fact, um, a lot of the, there's a uh, Michigan goat's milk cooperative um, who basically, you know, drives around the state and picks up all of this milk and uh, almost, we and we used to buy from them before we found a single source that could haul us milk. Mm-hmm. Um they are basically taking all of this milk to Vermont. Wow. So it's sort of, it's insane. And otherwise, people are just dumping milk all over the state. Last winter alone, I think seven dairies went out, seven goat's milk dairies went out of business. Um, there's uh, supposedly a milk bottling plant opening in Kalkaska, which is sort of like in the northern central part of the state, which is like four and a half hours from us. Mm. Um, but they're supposedly going to be doing uh, glass temper- glass bottled low temperature pasteurized milk, and then uh, I assume distributing it all over the Midwest. Wow! Wow! So that would be a huge boon. But again, like one of the major issues with that is that you know there's all this milk and no one to haul it. Right. Yeah. Infrastructure, transport, distribution. It's always the uh, sort of missing link in the puzzle, at least for for right now in our at our stage of the game. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's really disappointing to hear that there are goat dairies going out because I mean, they're just yeah tremendous opportunities. But you guys represent obviously the upswing in that and turning that milk into delicious cheese. Yeah. But for us, it's, uh, you know, it's still very difficult, um, you know, to source milk as fresh as we want to be able you know, to get it from as few sources as we want. And, um, you know, and a major part of that is hauling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I smell another Zingerman's business coming online. <laughs> yeah, something. <I> there's, <laughs> there's definitely a lot of, uh, and where we are placed in the state, um, you know, there's a lot of opportunity for the creamery, I think, in, you know, in my work time, uh, being so young that uh, I can certainly envision and imagine um, you know, being able to work with the Michigan Cheesemakers Cooperative in the U.S. or the MDA to uh, pool resources and, you know, maybe create a better system for uh, transport of milk. And, you know, I mean, there, you know, the model that is being, you know, worked on in Vermont is, you know, awesome in that we're, you know, training people to add value to their own product, I think, is really you know, where it's at. Absolutely. But I do agree that there has to be some level of, um, you know, efficiency and scalability. Like in Vermont, you know, of course, Jasper Hills doing their cellars where they're um, taking over the commitment of aging cheeses for, for cheesemakers so they don't have to make that investment in their, you know, uh, um, aging facility at the farm. Right. Um, but uh, I, I think that, yeah, you were, your model and models like that are really powerful because um they enable you know dairy farmers to do what they do best which is you know taking care of the animals taking care of the land and making great milk um so i i think uh what you guys are doing is fabulous um what so can i uh change tax just a little bit and ask about raw milk in michigan what what oh actually no before we move on from this i want to ask what is the website for the cheesemakers cooperative because everyone needs to be able to find out about that 
Uh, MichiganCheeseMakersCooperative.org, I believe. Okay. And I also found GreatLakesGreatCheese.com as another site for people to be able to see um, those, those I members. I think that's an MDA website, Michigan Department of Ag website. Okay. Okay. Awesome. So we have multiple ways for people to access this, uh, this info. Um, so yeah, raw milk, what's the deal? Is it legal? Is it not? Um, so it is sort of legal in Michigan. You can, um, you can access raw milk through member share programs, um, either, you know, goat's milk, cow's milk. Uh, you have to sign a contract and literally, you know, buy a portion of the animal, um, and then you're due some amount of its uh, production, um, and you can only purchase the milk on farm. Um, there was a few years ago a major uh, member share raw milk bust in southeastern Michigan because they were taking the milk off the farm and uh, distributing it uh, via like farmers markets or CSA pickup spots, um, and so that kind of got nipped in the bud. Isn't um, that amazing? It's like it's like a drug sting, but for raw milk. Yeah. <laughs> Ridiculous. Um, um, so there's some access, but uh, I, I sort of am of, of the mind, um, you know, that there's a little enough regulation that it's still it's sort of dangerous because um, do, we do have a lot of hobby hobbyists mm-hmm, <laughs> whom mm-hmm. uh, you know with little understanding of uh, the, you know the real farm dangers of processing and producing clean milk. Um, you know, so anytime anybody asks me, I, you know, I say, well, you know, you, you still want to buy it from a, you know, regulated grade A dairy. A licensed dairy. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. You still want to know that they know, you know, what they're doing. Um, and I, I think that it is an awesome boon for uh, small scale dairies to be able to, you know, bring some money into their home economy, to be able to, you know, bring, you know, charge a premium for what is really a premium product. And, you know, it's worth it's worth way more than, you know, the commodity price says that it is. But like you said, then if it's on farm sales, then, you know, it's like, what are, what are the real economic benefits of a couple people driving up to a farm and, and buying a couple bottles of milk? You know, there has to right. be some sort of, um, there has to be some sort of bigger force in play to make it really economically viable. Mm-hmm. Do you guys make any raw milk cheeses? or um... We make um, one raw milk uh, cheese. It's called the Great Lakes Cheshire. Okay, the it's H1. A- yeah, it's a Welsh Welsh style. It's really based on the recipe for Langlaughlin, uh, which Leon Downey made in the Wales up until maybe 20 years ago. Um, so John Loomis, our uh, managing partner, did his uh, apprenticeship when he was young uh, in Wales with Leon Downey. Um, and so, uh, you know, he's, we've taken this cheese and turned it into the Great Lakes Cheshire. It's, you know, it's, uh, it's only aged about 60 days, 60 to 90 days. Okay. Um, so it's not anything like Applebee's Cheshire. It's just an entirely different uh, recipe for Cheshire. All these, well, that's the kind of the cool thing. It's like how this knowledge is disseminated. You know, the, the cheese inevitably takes the shape of the cheesemaker behind it and the market behind it and, uh, and the, you know, just kind of the local, the local factors at play. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so where do you see Zingerman's Creamery going in the next, like, 10 years, say? Oh, gosh. Um, well, I, if I'm there in 10 years, I could give some <laughs> defined <definite laughs> answers. Um, you know, I, I certainly see us working more and more in the local marketplace. Um, you know, we do a lot of farmer's markets now, but I see us working a lot more farmer's markets, being, you know, getting into every restaurant, 
you know, having, a, you know, a huge presence in Chicago, which is really our neighbor. Um, and then, you know, really getting, working more and more with uh, local milk producers. There's very little pastured uh, milk that is uh, able, uh, in the greater marketplace, and so I'd like to see more pastured milk. I'd like to see us, you know, being a part of the economy of all of the cheesemakers in the state and really being able to, you know, support and push from our strategic location, you know, forward. Um, yeah, I, so you guys I, are in a great position because you have such yeah. an established business. You know, right. you have the power to really, yeah, kind Create of something. rocket ship everybody into into a greater marketplace. Yeah, I mean, and I would just love to be, you know, I would just love to know all of the dairy, you know, all of the cheesemakers and farmers in Michigan and really understand what what needs to happen in order to make this an economically viable industry for our state. Uh, you know, as we're moving into the future. Um, and I think, you know, we, we're definitely poised to help with that, and um, certainly from an educational perspective. You know, now we already, you know, we teach some cheesemaking courses for home cheesemaking, and I would just love to, you know, have, the, have people, um, you know, making cheese at home again, especially lactic cheeses and yogurts and things that people were making in their home kitchens for hundreds of years. Yeah. Um, to, for people to really feel comfortable doing that, um, and and for people to really feel like they can ask for better milk and better cheese products, you know, from their area. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's really great. Well, so if people, I know not everybody is in the Ann Arbor area, but if people want to find out more about Zingerman's and your creamery and your cheese making classes, um, how, how do they do that? What's your, what's your website? We are uh, zingermanscreamery.com. Zingermanscreamery.com. You heard it here first. You um, can find us there. That is, uh, that's awesome. I want to come and do one of your mozzarella classes. That's yeah, the one I was fun. reading about. I, uh, either I teach them or John teaches them. And uh, it's, it's definitely a nice uh, change from talking to the cheese all the time, you know, to be able to <laughs> talk to people. <laughs> <laughs> the cheese appreciates it, though. It does. It, it likes the love. We'll have to reverse that. I was thinking first, you know, we'd have to get you to come out to New York, but I think I'm actually just going to have to come to Ann Arbor and learn how to make mozzarella. That's, yeah, absolutely. I'm from the Midwest, too, so I could, you know, tie in. And I could go to, you know, your place, yeah. go visit my parents. Everybody would be happy. Absolutely. It would be great. <laughs> um well, thanks so much for taking time out on a Sunday to be um, on the show. It's been really, really wonderful and interesting to hear all the good work that you guys are doing at Zingerman's Creamery. And um, I would encourage all of our listeners to, to check them out at zingermanscreamery.com. And uh, we will see you next week on Cutting the Curd. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Aubrey. For your sympathy, I don't mind, because you mean that much to me. Ain't too problem.